Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show. Presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, you bastards, March 27, 2019, and this is the Bob Seska Show, interviews from Earth One. My guest today is one of my radio heroes, the great Randy Rhodes, and yeah, I think Stephanie Miller's going to be jealous, but, but I've been wanting to talk with Randy for at least 15 years, ever since I first listened to her on Air America back in 2004. Randy took a break from radio, but she's back, and she continues to kick all kinds of Republican ass on her show at randyrhodes.com. The show streams live every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can also listen and watch via Twitter, at Randy Rhodes. Links in the description below. Today we're going to talk about the bar memo, a little bit about healthcare, the climate crisis, and so much more. So get ready. At long last, here comes the great Randy Rhodes. Hello, Bob. Hello, Randy Rhodes. How the hell are you? It's good to talk to you. I've been reading you for years, so. Oh, my God. You know, Randy, I remember being glued to your show back in 2004 after the election, Mm. like in the days after that election, when it was clear that Ohio was trying to steal another election for Bush. And you know what's so crazy? Here we are again. We're in a very similar week after a weekend of horrible, horrible news regarding what's very clearly a cover-up. But, you know, it's, I, I got to thank I mean, before we dig into all of the, the, the Mueller stuff and, and Bill Barr and everything like that, I got to thank you for just years and years and years uh, of doing uh, incredible work on the radio. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not that old, okay? I started very, very, very young. That's true. Yes, that's very true. All I was just a small child. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you on today. And, you know, but I mean, uh, seriously, uh, we all feel like we're being duped again, right? But this time, even more than 2000 or 2004 or 2016, even, the cover-up is as clear as crystal, isn't it? Well, I, it, it hasn't been uh, covered up yeah. yet. You know, I mean, Barr made his best attempt at, you know, uh, putting the sunniest, light on what's in that report but we haven't seen it so let's see it i mean curious minds want to know where are all these you know the threads that are just still unanswered so uh you know every sentence in that report that Barr wrote uh, starts in the middle of a sentence yeah so i don't know what came before couldn't uh, establish. Mm-hmm. I don't know what comes after. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, you know, it says, hey, he, you know, he did collude, but that's not a legal term. Obviously, you saw it yeah. right in front of your face when he asked Russia for help, when his son, uh, you know, was emailing with Rob Goldstone saying, hey, if you have dirt on Hillary Clinton, I love it. Let's love have it. a meeting. Come on. You know, we saw what we saw. What's mm-hmm. going on, though, is people don't want to believe their own eyes anymore. Yeah. They want to believe a four-page report because everyone's so entrenched. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it. It's it's basically an extension of how we've been observing the Trump administration and, and before that, the Trump campaign, insofar as we're seeing all this crap going on and we know that it's wrong, but then we're told, wait, no, you're just crazy. You're not seeing any of that. And so we but go, they, you know what I mean? 
But that's what the demagogue has always done. He yeah. always said, don't believe, you know, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you hear. Only believe me. I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. I'm the, I alone can fix it. That's what an autocrat says. Yep. And a lot of people are willing to uh, give him that. And I'm not because, you know, look, there's two conclusions because mm-hmm. we saw what we saw, Bob. We're not. You know, I'm not deaf, dumb, and blind because Bob Barr wrote four pages. You know, you're not going to tell me I didn't see what I saw. You're not going to tell me that Trump didn't stand in Helsinki and knowing that, uh, you know, Russian intelligence agents had been indicted by Mueller say that uh, he believes Vladimir Putin. I mean, you're not going to make me unsee that or unring that bell. So Mm. either the Mueller reports got... A lot of stuff, a lot of those threads tied up, or uh, Mueller was rushed into concluding it by Bill Barr, mm-hmm. or obstruction worked. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like there's a, a gigantic portion of this investigation. I mean, I'm not talking about details. I'm not talking about specifics with regard to the Seychelles or you know this meeting or that meeting. Right. I'm talking about a, 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 a gigantic chunk of this investigation was the counterintelligence investigation into whether or not Donald Trump is compromised by Russia and therefore is operating and, and maybe based on a quid pro quo Trump Tower Moscow in exchange for lifting sanctions etc one way or another Donald Trump could be very seriously compromised by Russia in which he's uh, he's giving Russia uh, priority over American priorities and so I, I get the sense that you know, there's a reason why Bill Barr didn't include any of that information from the Mueller report. And you know what? Quite honestly, we don't even know if that's in the Mueller report because the counterintelligence investigation could be continuing um, by the FBI. And there may not even be um, uh, at this point a conclusion to that whole thing. So one way or another, we don't know anything about whether or not our president is compromised by Russia. Well, what we do know is that when he was told that Russia was hacking, he denied it in public. He denied it on the world stage. We know he hasn't done anything to protect our elections. We know that there's a Russian woman who's indicted in New York uh, who also was part of the 2016 hack and the 2018 hack. We know we've had testimony from Dan Coats. We've had testimony from Clint Watts and all kinds of counterintelligence experts that say that the hacking is ongoing. And we know that Russia knows that Trump knows and Mm. refuses to do anything about it. So right there, he's compromised. Yeah. So Barr, what we're hearing now is Barr is delivering not only a copy of the Mueller report to the White House so that Trump can claim executive privilege over, I assume, all of it if he wants to. But but he's also Barr is also refusing to give Congress the actual report instead in a matter of weeks, not months. That was the quote from yesterday. He's not going to be delivering the report to Congress. He's going to be delivering another goddamn summary. Is this, Randy, is this a backdoor firing of Robert Mueller? Is that what we're seeing right now? That's kind of how it feels. It really does feel that way. There's too many loose threads that weren't tied together. And, you know, uh, knowing, uh, you know, uh, Bob Mueller is a a Marine. Bob Mueller is a by-the-book guy. He's Mm -hmm. a... Uh, You know, somebody told him, just stop right here, just finish it now, you're done. And all these loose threads not tied up, it makes no sense to me that, uh, you know, somebody who's that detail-oriented, who can figure out, uh, you know, money laundering schemes and and, and intensely difficult IT situations with regard to hackers and how and where and why and code and URLs and and, and signatures, uh, all of a sudden just threw his hands up in the air and said, okay, I don't want to tie all these threads together, mm-hmm. uh, I'm done. And guess what? I can't make a decision on obstruction. Really? Yeah. That's what, I mean, it was a two-part thing, right? It was um, a counterintelligence investigation, and it was an obstruction investigation that mm-hmm. began because uh, Comey had been fired, and Rod Rosenstein found that so shocking that he hired Bob Mueller seven days later yep. to look into obstruction. And we have no conclusion on the main focus of that investigation. Mm -hmm. And Bill Barr makes the call, not Congress. You know that if Mueller had to leave it open-ended for whatever reason, that he intended for Congress to take it up. He didn't intend for Bill Barr to make the final call. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Bill Barr's been there for six weeks, and in six weeks, look what he's done. He's ended the Mueller investigation. He says he wants the ACA destroyed. Yep. And, uh, you know, now all of a sudden uh, he's going to give another summary. Mm-hmm. Also, let me tell you this, Bob. Okay. Bill Barr is probably the world's greatest lobbyist that we've ever witnessed in the history of lobbying. You thought Manafort was good? Wait. Bill Barr has... He is so invested in the Time Warner merger, and that's what he was working on. That's all he cared about. All of a sudden, he writes this 19-page memo to attract Trump's eyes and heart and mind yeah. uh, and says, if you want this over, I'm your guy. I know just how to do it. I did it with the Bushes. I can do it. You know, I did it in Iran-Contra. I, Lawrence Walsh was uh, the uh, special prosecutor, 12 volumes of crimes. Lawrence Walsh produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, well, it's no big deal, you know, before Casper Weinberger goes on trial. We'll just pardon him. It's, it's, I got this. <laughs> he goes into the White House. He gets the attorney general slot. And all of a sudden, Time Warner merger goes through. Hmm, right. Isn't Weird. that special? Yeah, strange. Interesting. And his kids, and his kids get plum jobs in the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No quid pro quo there. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. And the thing that I keep looking at, Randy, is the quid pro quo and how we didn't hear a goddamn thing in the uh, uh, in the bar memo about the quid pro quo, about this relationship that Donald Trump has with Russia that goes back literally decades in which we have. I mean, again, we're seeing this in plain view. We're seeing Don Jr.'s relationships and his quotes. And we're seeing, uh, you know, Trump selling property in Palm Beach to uh, to oligarchs. And we're seeing Trump Tower Moscow. We're seeing all these deals in effect. And and let's not lie to ourselves either. So let's not let the, the news media lie about this either, which is that Donald Trump may have ended negotiations on Trump Tower Moscow in 2016. And of course, the the date at which that uh, negotiation ended is in dispute. But but we know that um, he was in the process of negotiating that deal. And he, it could have just gone away for the duration of his presidency, only to be unboxed at the end of his presidency. That could be absolutely the plan that he's pursuing. So while he may not have a quote-unquote Moscow project on the table at the moment, that doesn't mean he's not going to reopen it once he uh, lifts sanctions against Vladimir Putin, lifts sanctions against Oleg Deripaska, lifts sanctions against all of the oligarchs and uh, and all of the other uh, uh, banks and businesses that sanctions have been applied to. You know, these are all things that, again, you know, we know and we've seen and we've observed, and yet we're being told we're crazy because it didn't really happen. Uh, and, and again, it's just it's a matter of. Uh, uh, shaking loose this information because we're not getting the full picture from the uh, the Department of Justice, and it's just. And you uh, know what's interesting is yeah. when when McConnell blocked the release of the report the other night. His reason on uh, the Senate floor was mm-hmm. because the Mueller probe is still ongoing. <laughs> yes. Now, if it's done, why say ongoing? Mm-hmm. If it's not done, well. Why is everybody, you know, uh, just throwing their 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 own, uh, you know, uh, eyes and ears out the window in favor of, you know, screaming headlines based on a man's interpretation of a two-year investigation in yeah. four pages? Yeah. Again, a lot of people playing fast and loose with language right now. Um, yeah. The, the the print press is doing it with headlines, you know, screamer yeah. headlines. The Mueller report says this. The Mueller, Mueller report says that. When we know there is no Mueller report, I mean, for God's sake, let's not. For God's sake. Yeah. I, listen, I, I, I'm in a Twitter war, you know, with some of these people that want to declare victory on the left. Yeah. I mean, Glenn Greenwald yep. is going after me and uh, Matt Taibbi and a whole bunch of lefty, you know, uh, comedians and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's so strange. I mean, why? in the world would I say that I saw the Mueller report? Mm-hmm. Why would anyone say they saw it? Yeah. No one's seen it. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And all these people that are for transparency, all these transparency groups, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they don't want transparency. They don't want the report. Yeah. They just want to declare that they were right because it was too outlandish to believe that the president of the United States is, is compromised by a foreign adversary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't get what's happened here. I don't get it, except that Russia is winning because even people that used to agree are now at each other. Mm-hmm. And by the way, since we're better than this. I've got to say, I know we're better than this. I've been around yeah. us too long to, to, to think that we're not better than this. That something really evil and untoward and untold is going on. 
Should we be taking to the streets and protest until we get the full report? I mean, I'm thinking Kiev 2014, like an occupation of the grounds surrounding the DOJ building or something along those lines. Because we're really being, I mean, I, you know, I said on the Stephanie Miller show this morning, I said, we're being black bagged. Uh, Donald Trump is in the, we've got black uh, uh, hoods over our heads and Donald Trump's in the corner with his Sharpie busily redacting a report that we deserve to see at this point, if only to discover whether or not Donald Trump is compromised by Russia, for God's sake. And I, I've just, I feel like now's the time, really, because there were all kinds of talk during the actual investigation that if Donald Trump moves to fire Robert Mueller or Rod Rosenstein, for that matter, that we need to take to the streets, that there were protests being planned along those lines, ready to trigger at a moment's notice. Should that happen now? Well, he has fired Bob Mueller. You know, yes, it, that's it's true. happened. Yep. That has happened. But yep. I think people have been... Um, marketed to so heavily that mm. they don't know what is what up is down black is what you know no one can figure it out because we haven't seen anything yeah. we haven't seen anything but this health care issue that i know you care about that mm-hmm. i know is very passionate and close to your heart that'll get people out in the streets the idea that right after this happened uh you remember he was trashing mccain i was wondering why is mccain on his mind mm-hmm. why is he thinking about mccain so hard right now to the point where the veterans groups are like what uh even his republican colleagues who you know say nothing yeah. uh, you know lindsey graham oh he's my best friend but you know i'll say nothing these people are just bizarro world i never want to be that dead inside that's all i know <laughs> but the health care issue that he wants to invalidate the whole aca which literally literally will kill kill health insurance not just for the people on the exchange i am one of those people yep. i do get my health care on the exchange i'm an obamacare person when mm-hmm. when everybody throws around these numbers you know 9.2 million 22 million i'm the, i'm that person yep. um but if they do away with it for all the parents with, with autistic kids and the parents who's got, who have kids with ADHD, even parents of kids with acne, acne is a pre-existing condition. Oh, yeah. That will get people out in the street. That's mm-hmm. going to do it. Yeah. I mean, do Trump voters even uh, realize that their insurance is going to crash and burn, too, if the ACA no. is repealed? Do you think they know it? Yet they're, no. They're, they just want to own the libs. Is that what it comes down to? Look, there's there's obviously a cold civil war in this country. There is no question about it. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we said we defeated ISIS. Well, that's like saying we defeated the South. The white supremacists have yeah. gone nowhere and the Islam of, you know, Islamic uh, terrorists have gone nowhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. You still got the same problem. And in this country, we're always going to have 30% of our population uh, believing that they need to look down to find out why they were stepped on. Look, mm-hmm. the shoe comes from above. It steps on your neck, not from below. Right. Look up. Look up. That's who's peeing on you. <laughs> so what are the chances that Judge O'Connor's uh, ludicrous ruling on the ACA is going to be upheld uh, now that the DOJ isn't going to defend it? You know what? John Roberts would be the ultimate stop yeah. on this, and uh, he will He will actually... Look, it, it would be like undoing the international, the, the, the um, national highway system. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's how uh, woven it is into Medicare. That's how woven it is into Medicaid. That's how woven it is into uh, you know Blue Cross Blue Shield, and, yeah. and all the health care plans are all interwoven uh, with Obamacare. So it would be like undoing the national highway system. It would be mm-hmm. total and complete chaos. chaos. Yeah. And I don't think Judge, uh, you know, Roberts, believe it or not, you know, it's sad. Roberts mm. is now the swing vote. <laughs> yeah. But he's defended it twice. I don't see him, uh, you know, letting this go any further. God, did you ever think in a million years covering uh, when John Roberts was first nominated by George uh-huh. W. Bush that, that he'd be the guy that we have to look to to kind of be a voice of reason in the uh, Supreme he's Court? He's not a voice of reason. He's a voice of corporatism. Right. And uh, he knows what it would do to his corporate uh, you know, buddies. He knows it would be complete and utter chaos. So yeah. he'll protect it, period. What can actually be done at this point as far as, or maybe you're just, maybe we're all just talking to a brick wall if we try this, but I, I feel like there are so many, um, I mean, literally every single health insurance policy has consumer protections in it because of the ACA. ACA goes away, all those consumer protections get stripped out, including, by the way, the, uh, the, the Medicare Part D donut hole that will finally be closed in 2020 and which will open wide open again 
if the ACA is repealed. How do we get the word out to these people who seem to be cheering this law that is only going to collapse on their heads? Well, you know, there are some people that until it, uh, you know, kicks them in the pocketbook, they they will never, um, they just won't wake up, Mm -hmm. period. And then all of a sudden, you know, they'll find religion again and they'll say, oh, I, you know, I I was wrong. I shouldn't have supported him. And, you know, look at the soybean farmers and now there's floods. So all that soybean stuff that's stuck in their silos is worthless, right? So. (laughs) You know, I mean, the damage has to be done to certain people. We're 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 like, um, oh my God, we're like the 101st Airborne. Okay, we go in and yeah. make it safe. Mm-hmm. We make it as, as safe as we can for the ground pounders. That's yeah. what we do. Yep. And even if the ground pounders are mouth breathers, we have to protect them too. And I really feel an obligation to do that. I've yeah. lived in you know Appalachia. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in North Texas, South Texas, West Texas, East Texas. I know this country. And there are some people, unfortunately, that, you know, he was sufficiently racist. It didn't matter what he stood for. And then there are other people who were so disgusted with corporatism and inequality that they said, let's just try something new. And those are the people that we can bring back to sanity. Those are the people that, you know, we can talk to. And it's my it's my job. It's your job, Bob, to talk to them. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm veering way off topic with this, but I think it's related insofar as uh, I'm concerned, Randy, that we're no longer a country that um, focuses on actual solutions to the problem. Instead, what we're doing is we're mitigating the ramifications of the problem. In other words, um, with the climate crisis, for example. And my concern is that instead of tackling the root causes of the climate crisis, there are only going to be massive investments in things like building sand berms and seawalls and creating houses that are more hurricane proof. You know what I mean? Where we're, where we're focused on protecting ourselves from the symptoms of the climate crisis, but we don't want to, I want to address the actual thing itself. Is that, I don't know if you saw this or not, but it was, it was just bizarre and, and hysterical at the same time, but sad. Uh, did you see Mike Lee on the Senate floor yesterday? With the memes, yes. I saw pictures of oh Aquaman God. and Luke Skywalker. Okay, okay. Somebody smarter than me is going to have to tell me, what was the thing with the babies? What was the... I, I, what, what I don't the know. What's there with babies? Babies don't need to... What, they're going to grow gills? <laughs> I, I, what is it? I, I don't know. are biz- Maybe he maybe he thinks that some baby is going to be born tomorrow who will come up with a solution that for for whatever it is he thinks I don't know what he, I don't know what he's talking about I do know this that you know maintaining controls over population I think is a good way to or one of the ways in which we can uh, address this problem I think there are just too many people I think there are too many people on this planet and we the is, fact is, is yeah they're just using uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know. I, they're just they're groping man they really are groping because yeah. you know. Know, the science is the science, and the, and they are completely owned by you know petrol companies, and America is a petrol state. And you know it is interesting though if you think about it this way: if if people don't want war, no matter what side of the aisle you sit on, I mean most yeah. people agree war is hell, uh, especially those who've been there. So how about making what those oil-rich nations have worthless? Yeah, there's a there's a reason to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Want yeah. to stop fighting wars with petrol states? Want to stop invading Iraq? And want to stop uh, sitting there and t- telling Saudi Arabia they can kill whoever they want to kill, including a Washington Post journalist, uh, and, and dismember him uh, and cut his fingers off because he's a writer? Mm. Uh, well, make what they have worthless. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I hate to break it to you, Randy, but don't you know that the climate crisis is a Chinese hoax? I, I just, you know, just want to tell you, <laughs> I, I hate to break the bad news, but... <laughs> It's not a real thing. They have they have a fabulous sense of humor. I mean, this is just too fun. Now, look, here's the thing, you know, because we did actually have, uh, you know, a a president who cared about it and invested in it. Mm. It's now cheaper to produce electricity with wind and solar than it is with, uh, you know, oil and coal. That's right. I mean, it's cheaper to 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 manufacture the electricity. It's cheaper to uh, uh, build the farm than it is to run a coal fire power plant. It Mm -hmm. just is. It really is. And as soon as this thing really, because we're in it now, it's just going to perpetually get worse. And as it gets worse, the damage is going to get worse and the cost of that damage is going to get worse. Oh, let's let's just protect ourselves with better seawalls. That'll be the solution. And then we'll just deal with it that way. You know, it's it's so utterly frustrating. You know, let me answer your your query this way. Okay, Trump doesn't want to fix 
hurricane, flood, flooding damage. He, 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 his budget, you know, is stealing uh, money from the disaster relief funds mm. for Puerto Rico, for uh, North Carolina. Camp Lejeune in North Carolina was damaged by hurricanes. Their water uh, is contaminated because of it. We saw testimony from the um, wives who live in on-base housing, and they were saying things like, there's black mold in the walls, my kids mm-hmm. are playing, and I, I, I you know, moved their little play table away, and I saw, oh my God, the whole wall. There's termites falling from our light fixtures, the electricity is so all it's catching fire. And Trump's answer to them is, don't fix it. I'm stealing the money for your repairs to build a stupid fence in El Paso. Yeah. El Paso is literally suing not to have the fence built, all right? So this is the kind of man we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about do we have enough foresight to plan for anything other than, uh, you know, disaster relief after it happened, Rick Perry is our energy secretary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, again, um, it's one of those things that uh, it seems like the solution is staring at us right in the face, and we refuse to to actually see it. Yeah. So. And, and that and, and any number of other reasons, including the racism, including the, the dividing of America, including the I alone can fix it, you know, demagoguery, including yeah. the I'm going to get rid of everybody's health care because I'm pissed off at blue states and I'm going to, you know, uh, punish everybody because you didn't support me in blue states. This has got to end. Maybe, maybe you can explain this to me, Randy. Why is Donald Trump's behavior toward Puerto Rico, not an impeachable abuse of power offense. You know what I mean? He, he seems to be playing obvious. He's playing obvious politics with Puerto Rico. Like they don't like me, so I'm not going to give them any disaster relief. They don't like me, so we're just going to cut them off. Seems to me as if that's a serious abuse of power, and maybe because of the uh, the fire hose of news, maybe because of the sheer volume of terrible, terrible Trump things that whiz across our Twitter feeds every day. Uh, we're missing this, but it shouldn't that be a, a consideration by Congress as far as the, the president's uh, impeachable offenses go? The uh, abuse of power seems to be front and center with everything Donald Trump is doing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. It absolutely is. The idea that he's going to be able to you know, spend money, which is, you know, Article One in the Constitution gives that power to Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is declaring these cra- And that's another thing Bill Barr did. Oh, yeah, this national emergency, you have every right to do it. You mm-hmm. can take money. You can make Congress completely irrelevant to the to the Constitution. You can make Congress completely irrelevant to the American people. You can make Congress, you know, uh, just sit there and, 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 and watch all this. You can disable them in that way. Yeah. I mean, there's so many enablers around him that allow him to abuse power. We go right back to the Bill Barr report. You go mm-hmm. right back to that. And in six weeks, you could see what Bill Barr has done to us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. He's finally got his Justice Department. And he has always believed that his Justice Department was there, is there to protect him mm-hmm. instead of us, yep. instead of the American people from fraud, from crimes, from human trafficking. I mean, it's it's just it's crazy. I mean, his friend Jeffrey Epstein, he he he's they're about to unseal his files. You want to see human trafficking? Look no further yeah. than down the block, Donald Trump. Epstein's mansion is right down the block from Mar-a-Lago. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And the girl that uh, you know is suing to get the the records open, plus the Miami Herald is also suing. Uh, she she worked at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, mm. come on. Yeah. It's just staggering to see all of this happening in plain sight and to know that there are still 40% of American voters in and around. I I, I still believe that about... Five to ten percent of that forty percent is soft, and I think it still can. He can go. His numbers can collapse. I think down to at least thirty. But the the fact is that forty percent of American voters don't see any of this or look at it and go, "That's all." Children in cages, fine. If it owns the libs, fine. We don't care. It's a cultural well, thing. We need this guy much. to speak for us. Yeah. It's not that much, Bob. Yeah. I mean, 26% of America identifies as a Republican, and mm. of those 26%, yeah. 80% support him. So mm. 
it's not as big as you think, but it's enough. It's enough to, uh, you know, win an electoral college. Yeah, that is. That's another thing. That's you true. Know? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other topic. Right. Where where do you land on this? Obviously, we've got this national uh, popular vote interstate compact that's flying through various uh, state legislatures right now. On its way to 270, as soon as they get two, it's, it's ironic that in order to pass this, uh, this bill, that they have to reach the 270 threshold of electoral votes before it actually goes into effect. Um, it's kind of crazy. But the but, but the fact of the matter is, is that this seems to be, I think, a magic bullet solution insofar as it doesn't outright kill the Electoral College, because obviously electoral votes would still be cast by electors state by state, except those electoral votes would be attached to the national popular vote rather than the statewide popular vote. Seems to me as if that's a natural solution. I don't know where we're getting this idea that there's suddenly like a constitutional amendment to be had um, and uh, there, the, with a solution staring us right in the face, right? Yeah, we don't do hard things anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last hard thing we did was let people who fight wars vote, you know. <laughs> last last right, hard right. thing we did. No, but um, I'm still mulling it over. I, yeah. And here, I mean, I've always said the electoral the electro college has got to go. Yeah. It's got to go. We have had five presidents that have been the president without the popular vote. Mm-hmm. And it's just wrong. It's right. just wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a democracy, but, you know, people don't want a direct democracy for some reason. They don't understand the difference, you know, between what they're being served and what you can have. But that said, here's what kills me, all right? This is just a little scenario I roll over in my mind, and I'm only doing this to be devil's advocate for those of you who Mm -hmm. are for this idea. Just know I hate the electoral college. Right. Can you imagine that Donald Trump wins the popular vote and 55 electors in California have to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that that just blows yeah. my mind. But you know, but I mean, the, the, the odds got, of that happening because it hasn't happened. A Democrat has not won the election based on solely the Electoral College. So it seems to be as as if yeah. that is a, an exclusively Republican problem. Like uh, <laughs> the, the chances of the Democrats being negatively impacted by eliminating the Electoral College seem rare when when opposed to the Republican side, where we've actually okay, seen you made examples me feel of better. It. Yeah, you made me feel better. Thank you. I needed that. I needed that so much right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to go back to uh, Bill Barr and the Mueller report and everything like that. Um, part of I think this cover up that we're observing is uh, staring us once again in plain sight. And that regards uh, uh, Bill Barr's statements about uh, uh, obstruction of justice. Now, since when? Does someone have to commit an underlying crime for him to subsequently obstruct the investigation? I mean, I think one of Trump's many possible motives in his uh, uh, obstruction of justice that we, again, that we've all been witnessing, whether it's in tweet form or whether it's in firing James Comey form, it was political. There's a political aspect to this, too. It's not just covering up a crime. He needed this to go away in order to legitimize his victory in his mind. Not only is he covering up uh, uh, any potential deals or quid pro quos that he's got going on. And so he's trying to legitimize himself. Isn't that enough motive for obstruction of justice? Well, you know, the, the, the crazy people who are saying there has to be an underlying crime really need to call up Scooter Libby. Because <laughs> you remember, we never found yeah. out if Scooter Libby was the person who outed Valerie Plame, mm-hmm. or is it the dead columnist whose name I won't even mention, okay? Yeah. But Scooter Libby was convicted of obstruction. Mm-hmm. Martha Stewart, too. Yeah. Martha Stewart, it was never proven, you know, about uh, what she did with her finances, uh, you know, but uh, she lied about what she did with her finances mm-hmm. and she went to jail. And now we have, you know, um, uh, Orange is the New Black. I mean, that whole series is based on Martha Stewart. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Well, but anyway, um, no, that's like saying for people who don't remember those two cases. All right. It's like saying, so I'm going to attempt to hold up this bank. OK, I fail to do it. But then the witnesses who can identify me gathering all the guns and, uh, you know, writing the notes and planning the getaway, I uh, tamper with them. I pay them to, to lie for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't rob the bank, but I witness tampered. Is that obstruction of justice? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It seems right. to me as if that's... You uh, don't need... That, that would mean attempted murder, attempted robbery, attempted anything. Right. It, it, you know, if, if, you, if you didn't complete... There's no obstruction. That's yeah. just crazy. Oh, yeah. No yeah. Sense. It's just, obstruction is a separate crime, a separate statute. It has nothing to do with completion of your 
uh, you know, your, your scheme, your yeah. masterminded, you know, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, caper. <laughs> right, right. That's another great way to put it, especially considering that Donald Trump is exactly like some sort of, uh, you know, maniacal Batman villain. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, when it comes to obstruction, I mean, we, we, we always need to look back at precedent. What has come before? Like Ken Starr, for example, one of the charges that he handed over to Congress with regard to Bill Clinton was, of course, obstruction of justice. It didn't require Janet Reno or whoever was AG at that point in time to validate the obstruction of justice first or to strike it down. The other uh, one of the other charges from Ken Starr was, of course, abuse of power. We forget some of these things because we we get locked into Monica Lewinsky and everything that happened there. But on top of all of that, the Ken Starr report was released in bookstores, for God's sake. And oh, th- it was great porn. I, yeah. It was so good. Oh, man. I, my favorite <laughs> porn writer is Anne Rokalor, who's really Anne Rice, okay, yeah. who wrote all the Lestat novels. But she writes under a pen name, Anne Rokalor, and mm-hmm. uh, she wrote all these porn novels like Be- uh, The Taming of Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, you know, just all the – and. Ken Starr actually surpassed her ability to uh, titillate. You know, yeah. it was so good. Uh, the porn in that was legendary. Yeah. Now, can you imagine if Ken Starr handed that thing off to Bill Clinton to see if Bill Clinton would want to strike anything out because of executive privilege? Can you imagine the collective Republican freakout? We'd still be picking up shards of Republican heads all over Capitol Hill right now, and we're what? Uh, you know, uh, thirty years past that. You know, it just it seems like. There is something phenomenally strange going on right now. And uh, all I can do is go back to this idea uh, of a cover up happening in plain sight. Um, And and you mentioned earlier, Bill Barr, Bill Barr was has only been attorney general for 36 days. The span of time between swearing in Bill Barr and the time at which we heard last Friday that uh, the Mueller report was done and it was being delivered. 36 days. Now, my concern is this. If Mueller was rushed to completion by the new AG, I doubt Mueller will reveal that information publicly. Do you think Do you think he's wired to be able to do that? Like, he's, he's subpoenaed by Congress. Mueller goes down to testify. One of the first questions is, did, did Bill Barr rush you along? And what does Mueller say then? Um, knowing well, how know. small I mean, C conservative. Uh, I mean, look, we have to subpoena Bill Barr. That's... Yeah, you know, that's a gimme. And then, yeah, we have to subpoena Mueller. And, you know, uh, uh, Gerald Nadler, Judiciary Committee chair, said he would. So mm-hmm. I'd be interested in what he said. But remember, you know, when, when FBI guys testify, they sound like James Comey. Yeah, you know what I that's mean? true. Uh, did he order you? Well, I, I, not in those words. You know what I mean? It, it becomes uh, tortured because they're very legalistic. But, you know, listen, we got to find out why all these loose ends uh, maybe in the report there aren't loose ends. That's the the thing, okay? But you talk about Bill Barr, what he's done in six weeks and 36 days. He he summarized, uh, you know, a 22-month investigation into whether or not uh, the president obstructed justice. If, is he compromised by a foreign government, um, et cetera, et cetera. He brought indictments. He proved, you know, who hacked us, who did the social media thing, two different groups of people, right? Yeah. Um, and then Bill Barr says, oh, and by the way, as soon as that's done, I'm going to kill the ACA. And, oh, yes, Donald Trump, you don't have to go to Congress for money. Mm-hmm. You could declare a national emergency and reprogram all kinds of money yourself. Mm-hmm. Think about that now, Bill Barr's always been the unitary executive type. Okay, you don't have to declare war. You can torture people. You can do what you want. You're the commander in chief. You're above the law. No law applies to you. That's yeah. Bill Barr. Right. And in exchange, he got his Time Warner merger. Hmm. You know the other fishy thing, and, and you brought it up just a second ago, Randy, which is that that Bill Barr took a uh, an investigation. Uh, that lasted for two years and had, and we saw the numbers in the actual bar memo of thousands of subpoenas, hundreds of people testifying. Bill Barr took that information and whittled it down to three and a half pages 
in less than a weekend. My God, it's you know what? It, well, it, it takes me three days to put together a goddamn salon article. How does this guy write something up like that? Well, I guess him and Rosenstein writing this up over a Saturday and maybe half a Sunday. We don't know how long exactly it took them. We know that it was less than a day and a half that they were actually working on this thing. It just, it smells, it smells like a sewer. It smells like a cover Hey, Bob, up. remember this part too, okay? In that um, summary letter that we got, he does identify uh, how many subpoenas, and it's, it's, it's in the thousands. Yeah. So do you know what that means? That means that thousands of times Bob Mueller was able to appear before a judge and uh, have a judge agree that there was probable cause. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. To uh to 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 make somebody compel somebody to produce documents or to compel somebody to sit down and talk or to compel somebody to give testimony, two thousand five hundred times. That's a lot of probable cause. Absolutely. What well, you know, what, Randy? What are the chances the unedited Mueller report gets leaked to the public? I I keep <laughs> I keep leaked? thinking like yeah. Suddenly we're going to see a thing pop up and it's going to be Robert Costa from the Washington Post. I've got the Mueller report. I'm going through it now. <laughs> I just feel like we you live know, in that be, world. You know? you know, it would be sweet revenge if BuzzFeed got it. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, that would be amazing. Oh, <laughs> that would so, be great. Yeah, yeah, that would be a, an yeah. ultimate irony. No, there. Um, I'll tell you this. That's why they don't want it going to Congress. If it goes to Congress, yeah. it will become public. And yeah. that's why they don't want it going to Congress. Yeah. They don't want the people to see it. They just don't. Right, right. Now, do, do you think, again, is there any chance, and let me back up on this question, because I want to, uh, my concern all along has been that we've been endowing Robert Mueller with almost these Kryptonian superhuman powers. Like It's almost like uh, I've been comparing it to that Chuck Norris meme that was going around for a while. Like, Chuck Norris can do all these amazing things. Like, instead of doing, instead of doing push-ups, Chuck Norris pushes the earth down. You know, things like that. <laughs> and, and we've been kind of doing doing that with Robert Mueller a little bit like, oh, Mueller would never allow this to go to Donald Trump to be redacted first. Robert Mueller would drop this on the front doorstep of The New York Times. Well, it doesn't seem like he's doing that. And my concern is that Mueller is going to go and testify in Congress and and kind of play it like the official small C conservative man that he is, where he's not going to throw people under the bus, that he's going to he's going to act as a team player. That's my big worry. Do you have the same concern or do you feel as though Robert Mueller could end up blowing the whistle on all of this with, uh, you know, in committee with uh, Jerry Nadler or Adam Schiff or a combination of the both of them? I don't know. It depends on what Congress gets so that they can question Mueller. You know, if Congress has the Mueller report, they can ask him direct questions about things that he concluded, Mm -hmm. you know, and if they don't get the Mueller report, then they're flying blind. They don't know the answer to the question and nobody asks a question they don't know the answer to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That just doesn't work that way in a legal proceeding because you're adversaries. So listen, I I don't know uh, how Mueller would testify. I have no earthly idea how he would testify. I don't know what's in his report. So I have no opinion of uh, those things because they're not known. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I only only go with what I know. I mean, that's that's all I do is go with what I know. Go Mm. with what I saw. Go with what I, you know, actually heard somebody say. Russia, if you're listening, I, you know, asking for help from a foreign adversary. I heard that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you, maybe you didn't hear it, but you know what? I heard it. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, yeah. R- Randy, you strike me as someone who is uh, unflappable. Like, this shit doesn't... Uh doesn't get you overly frightened and i think that's a smart way to go i think that's a a a centered way to approach all of this stuff where you're looking at what you know rather than assuming things that you may not know and i think that's a a healthier way to put it are you i mean because i feel it i mean i feel the gaslighting i feel the stress i feel the. you know what i compare it to is that old stephen wright joke where you know he talks about how you lean too far back in your chair and you catch yourself at the last minute and he goes i feel like that all the time i get the sense <laughs> you know, following this stuff. It's almost like watching uh, that, that documentary Free Solo, where you're watching that guy climb El Capitan without any ropes. And you go, God damn it, he's going to fall. And he's like, how are you, you as far as... Yeah, are you... Are you yeah. uh, do, do you feel overwhelmed by this sometimes? No, because I know I'm on the side of democracy. I know mm. I'm on the side of what's right. I know I'm on the side of justice. Yeah. 
And I know I'm on the side of uh, truth. So let it take me wherever it's going to take me, you know, mm. and it will set you free. So I don't worry about it. I mean, there are days where I tell them, be alert. You know, there are days when I tell the audience, literally, be alert, be alert. I'm yeah. going to be on Twitter. You know, I'll tell you when it's time to flee. Because, there, you know, if, if it goes to its natural conclusion with this man being who he is, uh, where we don't, we leave all our men behind, uh, we don't repair, uh, you know, damage uh, to uh, entire cities or, or island nations that are part of the, uh, you know, the, part of our country. Yeah. If we throw paper towels at people instead of, uh, you know, uh, lending a... Um, compassionate ear and, and some help and money, you know, and backing up your words, then I know I'm on the right side of things. Mm -hmm. But there, there's some stuff that is, is, I used to say all the time, I used to say there's nothing new under the sun mm -hmm. because I'd seen it all before. This is new. Yeah. Yeah, That's is. what I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you, along those lines, do you think Trumpism is going to continue beyond Trump? I mean, are, are we on a collision course with idiocracy? We, like I said, we've always had this, this part of our population that um, if you are uh, willing to blame somebody below them and make them be able to say, well, I may be poor, I may have one good tooth left, but at least I'm not black, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you can appeal to those people, uh, you know, you've got something going for you in this country because there's about 30% of the population that goes like that. Yeah. But the other 70%, don't deserve it. And like I said, there's an obligation for us because our motto is out of many one mm -hmm. uh, to be the one. There is an obligation if you're smarter, if you're uh, able to manage facts, if you're able to look you know, at details, to make things simple for people is our job. Mm -hmm. And to help them help those who can't help themselves. Mm. I really live that. I believe that. I've always worked that way. I, I, you know, try to conduct myself that way with compassion for people who don't know what's happening to them, understanding their confusion, understanding that they don't have access to newspapers. They don't have, you know, decent uh, uh, media. They can't afford subscriptions to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, you know, and so they're just operating on gut instinct. Mm -hmm. But yeah. our job is to protect them, too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one thing that I've been a little obsessed about uh, since it actually went down is about, I don't know, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, was Trump's CPAC uh, address, which I thought was because I watched the whole thing like a crazy person. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a crazy, I felt like a crazy person <laughs> watching, okay. a, watching a cra crazy person. And, and was, yeah. You know, that was one of those occasions in which I think Donald Trump went far beyond any place he's been before in terms of, you know, just as general insanity, you know, and the thing that I kept grappling with as I was watching this maniac do this performance art or whatever the hell it was uh, at CPAC, I kept wondering, is it an act designed to pander to his Fox News demo or is he genuinely is his mind genuinely disintegrating by the day? And my answer is this, and I, I can't wait to get your uh, take on this. My answer is, even if it's an act, he's insane to think it's a good idea to act like an escaped mental patient when he's president of the United States. So either way, it's it's a level, it's a degree of insanity that he's displaying, whether he's a, he's deliberately pretending to be like that or whether he really is like that. Either one is just as bad. What do you think of that? I mean, what do you think of his actual behavior? Is it getting worse? And is there a bottom I, I think he's a, a, a crystal meth addict. I think he yeah. does. I, I personally believe that he snorts Adderall. Yeah. I don't think he eats it. I don't think he swallows it. I think he just, you know, and, and that CPAC thing, I told the audience, I, it would look like straight to the vein that, that, that day. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I've got a Didn't clip. It? I've got a clip saved. In fact, it's pinned on my Twitter of him talking about the Democrats. And he does this crazy badger face with crazy eyes. And he's doing some wacky voice. And it's 15 seconds of, holy God, that is the president of the United States. We uh -huh. are 
fucked. That is ins- uh-huh. there is a uh-huh. crazy man who's doing <laughs> drugs despite the fact that he insists that he's not. I'm talking about prescription prescription drugs, as you said, Adderall, Provigil. Provigil was one of the drugs that uh, uh, the Candyman, oh, um, what's Ronnie Dr. Jackson? Ronnie. Was, yeah, Doctor Ronnie yeah. was giving out in the White House. So it's possible that's mm-hmm. Provigil that he was getting. So, Whatever happened to Doctor Ronnie? Is he still prescribing? <laughs> I mean, where did he go? I don't know. I I think he's. <laughs> I think he was. I think he's still there. I do. I think he is. I think he's still there. I don't think he's any longer the White House physician, but I think he right. still works in the White House medical office. I, I oh, thought he was under some sort of investigation for all of that too. By the way, I, I don't do know. too. So where where that go? You know what I mean? Again, uh, fire hose no, of news. I, yeah. I I know. Listen, I have talked to. Tony Schwartz, who wrote The Art of the Deal and was, you know, very close to Donald Trump. I've talked to Michael D'Antonio. I've talked to, you know, uh, David Cage. A lot of people that know him for years and years and years in New York. Okay, a lot, a lot of people. And they all swear to me they never saw him do drugs. And I'm telling them I've been around meth fiends. I've seen what tweaking looks like. Okay, he is on Something. And if he was swallowing Adderall, okay, that's one thing. And if he's doubling his dose or, you know, whatever, fine. Now there's a comedian named Joel Kassler who is out in L.A. And Joel worked on The Apprentice, uh, The Celebrity Apprentice, for six years. He was like, um, you know, the talent coordinator, uh, which is the guy who drives the van around and goes and gets the talent every morning and brings them to set, right? Yeah. Okay. And he said to me, that he, well, he told everybody that he saw Donald Trump snorting Adderall over and over, not just one time, wow. blah, 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 that he is definitely an Adderall snorter. And when I saw the CPAC thing, I, I said, okay, now it's, he's just uh, it's straight to the vein. It's like the Motley, it's like a Motley Crue movie. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> whoa, whoa, they're going to have to kickstart his heart. You know, I, I, I'm just like, oh my God. Because we deserve better than this if he's not. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, obviously, it makes him a clear and present danger to the safety and security of the United States. I mean, obviously, oh, if there's someone know, who is so erratic operating the control with the nuclear biscuit, by the way, in his pocket, in his pants, literally in yeah, his just, pants. I know. I know. But remember this, because this gives me uh, this gives me some soothing you know, sort of a feeling when I think about it. It takes more than one person. Yeah, that's true. Okay, you got lots of guys along the way with keys, okay? Mm-hmm. Keys to, un- to unlock those missiles, even if the order is given. So somewhere yeah. along the line, it won't, you know, it'll yeah. fail. Although I will say this, this is, this is what I remember from my years in the military. Uh, if, if a guy, there's two guys with a key, let's say, in Minot, North Dakota, because that's where the missile silos are, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. Now, we have missiles by air. We have missiles at sea, too, but I only know where the ground missiles are, all right? So you got these two guys in Minot, North Dakota, and the order comes, and they look at each other and go, oh, God damn it. And one guy goes, uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So the other guy is supposed to shoot him. He's supposed to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This, this, Isn't it a great country? Don't it really, really that? is. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, we're both professional communicators. We both talk for a living. And we understand what it means to actually present yourself in public view. And usually, and I'm just going to I'm gonna underscore usually, um, and I'll speak for myself, usually my public presentation, whether it's on this podcast or someone else's show or on Twitter, is usually of the same strain. You know what I mean? It's we're usually consistent in terms of how we communicate Donald Trump has a range of of being almost exhausted and whispery all the way up to the insanity that we saw at at CPAC which to me again goes back to the theory that this guy is sucking something down like Coca-Cola but it's not Coca-Cola it's something far far more potent to make him to put him at that level oh it's speed yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. So yeah. one last uh, question for you, Randy. And, and, you know, I used to be a radio guy. So whenever I have another radio veteran on my show, I always ask this question. Was terrestrial radio killed by the Internet or did radio commit suicide? Radio committed suicide. Thank you. Yes, absolutely mm-hmm. right. That is the correct yeah. answer. Yeah. And how so? What, what did you observe along those lines that uh, leads to that conclusion? Oh, my God. It went totally corporate, number one. Yeah. Number two, they put the same programming on every one of their radio stations, tens of thousands of radio stations across America, 
have the same playlists. Mm-hmm. So you had the same rock stations everywhere you, that, that had absolutely nothing to do with the flavor of the community they were broadcasting into. All yeah. right. Yeah. So you had the same playlist, you had the same talk shows. I mean, Rush Limbaugh could be on three radio stations in the same market. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, come on, what is that? Really, what is that? And then you, know, you had thousands and thousands of hours of the same thing on three different radio stations. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, Frank Zappa used to say, you know, he had uh, this one line that just stuck with me forever where he said, imagine 10,000 radio stations each tuned to a different station. And he described that as being insane, right? Mm. That would be insanity. Yeah. Well, imagine 10,000 radio stations, each one playing Rush Limbaugh. See, for me, that's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to have to work after them. You know, I worked in between for what, 15 years. I worked in between Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity. Yeah. Right. And the crazy thing is they would dump my show on those stations and put in, uh, I forget the money guy's name. They would put a money show on so that, you know, the other stations didn't have to listen to the counterpoint. Mm Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's staggering. You know, I think part of it, um, with with the suicide of radio thesis is that the, much like the music industry faced with mp3s I, I think the radio industry was faced with new technology and instead of embracing the kind of content that the new technology was delivering and i'm talking about personal almost a, a one-on-one kind of communication where um you know with podcasts i think it's it's far more a, a direct line of communication than than necessarily with radio um and radio failed to recognize that and failed to adapt to what audiences wanted and instead doubled down on what it had always done, which is, you know, in some cases, especially during ratings books, you know, packing an hour with, you know, 25 minutes worth of commercials and the rest would be the same, you know, four songs that you hear over and over again anyway. Uh, well, just, the reason why you heard the same four songs is because they were a corporate playlist. They would come yeah. over the printer every morning. When I worked at Clear Channel, okay, um, there was, I worked in a lot of their clusters, as they were called, mm. and a cluster would be eight radio stations in one uh, little office building, and in the middle of all the studios would be what they called the bullpen, mm-hmm. all right? And that was like a common area for everybody. So you worked on, you know, there were five FMs and three AMs, whatever. And in the middle would be printers, and the printer would come, and it would have the same playlist that went out nationally to every Clear Channel AC station, every Clear Channel rock station, every Clear Channel uh, country station, whatever it was. You know, and then uh, that's how the Dixie Chicks got banned because ev- there were only six owners of uh, you know uh, 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 of national radio. We used to have ten thousand owners. Yeah. Now yeah. we had you know five giant conglomerates. Now, the reason why podcasts, listen, I will say this, Clear Channel did innovate. I had a podcast when I worked on Clear Channel. Of course, they got all the money. I got zero yeah, I'm sure. from that. Okay, But it's all theater of the mind, and it's, it's up to you to capture somebody and tell the story that um, you want them to consider mm-hmm. in a way that, that you know, uh, they can relate to. That's it, and that stopped happening in radio. Mm-hmm. Nobody considered how the audience would like to take in their community. Would they, you know, do, do they want to hear a counterpoint? Did they want to hear a debunk? Did they want to hear a free bird, you know, cause they were living in Alabama. Did, you know, what did yeah. they want to hear? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. They were yeah. serving you up a thing and that's why they went, they went bankrupt yeah. that. And because they were relying on like three major voices, they paid them millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year and everybody else made 40,000. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, and then the voice tracking started. You talk about using technology as an evil mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> so you didn't even have a DJ anymore. You oh, had yeah. one guy in LA in a in a sound booth who was uh, you know voice tracking for uh, 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 you know the whole country. Yeah, and, and you know what they literally called the system for voice tracking. They literally named it the profit system. I think it was a play on profit. words. I think it was like a PH profit, but it was still profit. And and so it was clear they weren't they weren't lying, they weren't uh, candy coating anything. This is all a cynical cash grab, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I we we could spend another hour and a half on what happened to talk radio too. But uh, you know, obviously we're we're coming up on the end of our conversation here. Randy, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. I know you've oh, got you're welcome, a, a Bob. Crazy it's been my Wednesday. pleasure. I'm so glad we finally met. Yeah, absolutely. Where are you sitting? Where are you? I am now in Washington, DC, but it was funny. While you were, you know, in the tropics yourself, I was also living in the I was living in Hawaii for about five years. And so I would <gasps> see you on Facebook and stuff and, and pictures uh, of, uh, uh, of your yeah, experiences Costa down Rica. there. Yeah, Costa Rica. And I was like, wow, yeah. I, I, I totally am seeing that same experience myself. I'm, I'm going through that same kind of thing in the uh, dealing with heat and the bugs and all of it. <laughs> I don't know if I had uh, <laughs> as, as nice an experience as you did, but it was uh, it was strange. It was a strange life. Yeah. It, well, no, Costa Rica is strange, too. You know what the thing is when you live like uh, so remote like that? Mm. Everything has to be imported and you start to appreciate, you know, FedEx. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> it's funny. I always tell the story. I, I wanted to order a, a bunch of uh, bookshelves to put put all my DVDs on them. And I, I went to Ikea, the Ikea website. I thought, well, maybe I can get them shipped to me because they certainly don't sell them on the island I was on. And so uh, I went to Ikea, found all the bookcases, ordered, went to uh, put them all in the, uh, the, the, the basket. And then when I went to look at what the shipping charge would be, the, they were so confounded by having to ship to Hawaii, my shipping cost would have been $1.5 million. I'm not making that up. That's the actual no, no, shipping I, estimate. I hear you. I hear it you. I, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. But, um, you know, in Costa Rica, they don't have mail. Do you know that? Oh, they don't. Oh, my God. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they don't have mail. No one has an address. <laughs> Houses have names. And so, like, to give directions to, let's say, my house, you yeah. say, okay, take the Costa Arena till the Red Rock. <laughs> At the Red Rock, uh, make a left. Go up to the fig tree, yeah. and then three houses on the left, it's the yellow house. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you know what? It's not. It's it's only a very slight step down from the actual mail in Hawaii. I always envision the uh, the mail service in Hawaii being two Samoans in the back of a pickup truck with a mail, like a, like a plastic bag filled with uh, letters that are just flying out all over the highway. That's the mail in Hawaii. I love them. At least they Hawaii. were trying. They don't even <laughs> yeah, try there. They're, they're like, no, there are no street names. There are no addresses. There's no mailboxes. <laughs> oh there's nothing. God. There's no mail. Yeah. Was it just culture shock when you came back finally? Um, no, I was crying. To tell you the truth, yeah. I was there for, for about three, four months, and then I just started crying. And, and, and believe me, I am this, um, I am this shallow. Um, <laughs> I said, I, I need my hair blown out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tropics are not easy on hair. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I, need, I need a blowout. I have to have, you know, I need to go to Kohl's. Everybody loves my cute shirts. They all want to know where I get them. Well, I have to go to Kohl's. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Okay. Well, Randy, we'll be listening this afternoon, and uh, thank you again. Oh no, for we're out. off. We're off. Oh, you're we're, off. We're, we're, uh, yeah, we're building a, a whole new studio. They're here right now. I just signed for um, this big 82-inch screen TV that goes behind me. Oh, great. Uh, as I was talking to you, yes, I'm multitasking. I am woman. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, no, but uh, we'll be back on Monday. So yeah, send your tech guys my way one of these days. I, I need I need you to rebuild it. myself. They are too. the best. I love my <laughs> tech guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy, take it easy. Okay, love you. Thank you, Bob. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.